Hello and welcome to the first of the Next Sense Institute podcast for 2022. My name is Trudy Smith and I am your host. I am the manager of continuing professional education at the Next Sense Institute. Just so happy to have you back with us again in 2022. I'm hoping that it's a smoother year for everybody. We decided to start this year with a focus on Hearing Awareness Week. And our focus at the Next Sense and Next Sense Institute is very much around family-centered early intervention and informed choice, which is one of the fundamental principles of family-centered early intervention. Informed choice, of course, is ensuring that the people who are making these decisions, parents, families, an extended circle, have all of the information they need to make the right decision for their child. And of course, knowing that that can be flexible and fluid, depending on changing needs as well. But we wanted to tell you some stories and I'm so delighted to have Suzanne with us today to talk about the first story. So Suzanne, welcome. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Hi, Trudy. Thank you for having me today. I'm thrilled to, to share my story. Um, so I'm Suzanne and we're a family of five. So I have my partner, um, my husband and my two boys, uh, Kavanch and Chatai. And um, also my mother who lives with us. So that's our family unit. And Kavanch, he's, he's 10 and he's a deaf child. And um, my youngest is a um, child who um, is, is a full hearing. He has normal hearing. Um, so we're a mixed family, a mixed bag. And, um, you know, so I do have, you know, my mother who's, who does live with us, as I had mentioned, and she's a, a very active carer for my family as well as for Kavanch. Oh, it's so great to have extended family involved, isn't it? That's such a blessing. And we're here today to talk about the journey that you've been on with Kavanch. And did you ever have any family or personal history of people with hearing loss before he was born? Actually, uh, we weren't aware that there was anyone in the family that had congenital hearing loss. So we had gone through the whole family planning process, you know, you know, I, I, that person who likes to plan and organize and be very, you know, um, informed of everything that I do. So uh, I was going through that process. And, um, you know, of course, as you know, that process is based on your knowledge of your family history. So, um, you know, we asked family and um, they said, no, there's nothing, you know, we know this person who doesn't speak very well, who lives in a, um, a remote place um, overseas because all of our extended family is overseas. So we built this picture and um, after, um, you know, Kavanch was born, we found out that there was congenital hearing loss in the family. And so when we retraced it, you know, we, we actually, we realized that the whole family hadn't any idea that this was actually something that existed. So we didn't know. Sure. So coming to this then, I guess, as, as people who didn't know anything about hearing loss, what advice and support did you receive when Kavanch was diagnosed with hearing loss? Yeah, so, you know, that, that, um, that whole journey is uh, quite a, uh, it's, it's quite a, um, it's a bit of a blur, but then you have moments of this, you know, real uh, focus of, uh, it, it, it's a very confusing experience at first, because you never really expect when you get a diagnosis that, you're going to hear, oh, um, you know, your child has hearing loss um, or is a deaf um, baby. So, um, you know, you first have this moment of, it's, it's sort of like a huge sense at that time of, um, of this loss or grief. And then you'll put on this, what I call a conveyor belt of, well, now you're going to go see all these people and this is your community and your world has changed. 
And um, so we took some time to really understand what, you know, who these people were and how they were going to help us. And you, you just kind of go through this conveyor belt of support. Um, so we were connected into, um, you know, the Deafness Centre at Westmead Kids. Um, we were, you know, we were part of um, a, a whole program, you know, connected into um, the ENT at Westmead and their registrars. We had um, a lot of um, counselling and support and we had to undergo a lot of baseline testing. Um, Counsellors, as I said, um, connecting to Hearing Australia and specialised paediatricians. So your, your journey begins into let's do some more checks. Let's see, you know, let's get you all the supports you need. And so, you know, that was quite an initially an overwhelming experience because you're trying to navigate this whole new language, all these new um, conversations. And you, and you are really just there with an eight week old baby trying to understand what this new <laughs> um, world means. Yeah. So that, but that, you know, we found that um, while we were trying to come to terms with what all this new, um, uh, this new world meant and what it looked like, you know, the people that we were connected to were um, very caring, very um, specialised, incredibly experienced, very compassionate. And, you know, everybody knew what you were going through and helping you navigate that experience. So um, it was like, you know, you had everything that you really needed in the beginning to get that process started. Okay, and that's that's great. That's that's good to hear. And you made the decision to choose listening and spoken language with Kavanch. Can you tell us a little bit about what that journey's been like? So, in choosing um, the listening and spoken language um, program, how we ended up at you know Next Sense was that um, it really started back with when we went into early intervention. Um, we had no view on what we wanted, except that he could be able to you know hear, uh, listen, and and speak like any other child. And I think what was really difficult was is that he had such a significant hearing loss that um, he was almost nonverbal and his input wasn't that great. So, you know, he wasn't responding as well to the therapy and it got to a point where he was relying on a lot of gestures, you know, homemade gestures between he and I and the family. And, you know, at, at one point, um, through that early intervention process, I was hoping to see if I could introduce maybe Auslan at one point. Mm -hmm. And uh, I felt like if he was leaning towards that, maybe if he could have a little bit of that, that would get him to a point once he then connected over into um, being able to listen and speak, then he, you know, that would become the dominant language. Um, and then I guess the goal was from um, our therapist was to, you know, through that program is, is the goal is to try and get to that end game, which is to be able to speak. And, and that would be the preferred language. And, you know, I was quite conflicted. Our family, we felt a bit conflicted about that because, you know, you really want to be able to give them what they need and that, to say, can we use that as a stepping stone? And um, so I, I think at some point um, I felt like, well, we're not really getting there. And he didn't have a, a, a a reliable form of communication to be able to um, to be able to do that. So there was a period of you know me asking, can we consider using um, a different form of language, you know, Auslan or sign language. So um, in in reflection, though, I think that if we had done that for Kavanj, I think that would have become the dominant form of communication, and I don't think we would have gone down the route of 
ending up at the Next Sense um, Listening and Spoken Language program. And I don't think we would have ended up with a cochlear implant, which has now given him that full breadth of language where he can listen and speak. And I think we got to that end game that it's very hard to trust. It's very hard to know exactly how it's going to work out. So in the end, we got there, but it wasn't the easiest process because you really had to trust that you were you were going to get there. Yeah, I, I'm curious. There's lots, so much I want to unpack in your story. I'm so he he didn't get implants until later, until he was eight. Wow. So people were doing listening spoken language with him with with not optimal access to all of the the, the speech sounds. Exactly. So he. Um, was uh, severe um, to profound in one ear, which was the ear he eventually got an implant, and his left ear was uh, moderate to severe. So, you know, it was quite significant. Um, so, in, you know, in reflection, I would say I, I felt as though he had a lot of years that he was without optimum input and not enough communication. And so he's now, he I guess he's in the mode of catching up. But I also think that if we, potentially, I mean, you can never know, but I also think that if we had, you know, like I said, relied on um, sign language, then we may have said, you know what, he's happy with that and never pushed it further than that. So I think that's ideally what, you know, that was the goal for him is to, you know, it, it will take a bit longer. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was more of a, I think it, even his doctors had said, let's just see how he's going to respond um, and take our time because we want to be conservative about that and making that choice. And some children depends on what their loss is. You know, it's very hard to make that call as a team, you know, with this care team, what's the best thing to do? And, you know, at the same time, I was, I think Erlena was quite scared of the cochlear implant. I, you know, as a family, we thought this, this one thing that we're, we're afraid of, if it has to get to that, because I think you are, you, as a family, you somehow still hope that there's, a chance that something can be done. And I think a part of that is accepting and letting go that that is something that won't be a possibility. And, and a part of that is, is the healing that you need to make the best choices. And I think a part of that letting go was really important for our family to say, you know what, I, he has a solution, there is treatment. And um, the best thing that could come out of that is that he's gonna get more language and access to sound. So, and it's it's really changed his life and our life as a family. So yeah. then that way he, he is now, um, he's speaking like any other child and his cochlear is his dominant ear and, you know, he's getting 95% um, full hearing and um, input from his cochlear. And, you know, he's really immersed into um, the hearing world now, which is what we wanted. Absolutely. That must have been tricky, though, at the beginning. And I think all of your instincts are correct. You want a way to communicate with your child and, and to hear the good stuff as well as the bad stuff. Yes, exactly. That must have been really tricky. Do you feel like the advice that you were given was unbiased and helpful and supported the choices that you were making as a family? You know, you do uh, feel that you sometimes, you know, in that moment feel like the advice can be biased. And it doesn't mean that it is or it isn't. But at that time, I felt that it was maybe not the right decision for my child, but the right decision for all children. And, you know, I, I, that's why there was a bit of that push and pull. And even when we were choosing, you know, should we go from a community school, you know, and that was something that I didn't 
talked to much, um, but this was really, really important, really key is that, you know, a part of um, Kamanj going to school, a big part of um, my value system and our value system as a family was that he needed to be um, in a community school and he had a right to go to school like any other child into a community school. And um, when we tried that for the first year with very little language, I mean, he's always almost nonverbal, it was very, very stressful for him. And so when I was consulting, you know, I had advice and then I was connected into other organisations that were supporting children like Kavanch. The advice I was getting was he needs to be in the community school, that's his right. And so you are in consistently um, in the buys of other people of what you should be doing and that your child represents every other child. And that is true to a degree. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, when I was looking at that community school that was completely unprepared for a child like my son with all the needs that he needed, and even just as far as how much compassion and understanding was available and how much time and specialised, you know, care that could be provided, you just at the end of the day have to do what's right for your child. And, you know, when we were transitioning to Next Sense, to that program, I mean, it was just really clear. It was, uh, you know, how much care and um, into trying to understand his environment, how he was learning in that original school, um, what his needs were, what needs were not being met and understanding us as a family to help transition and speak to other parents and gain a lot of trust and understanding with the school to be a partner with the parent and that was ultimately what was missing from the community school. So I realized that, you know, you know, I was being told all these different opinions along the way, but what really needed, what was really important was for me to pull it all of that, get all that information and just try to take away the bias and just try to ultimately make the right decision for my own child. And I think that's the hard part as a parent because you are a parent you are a carer, you can be sometimes the audiologist, you can be all these, have these different hats, um, but you are really the advocate and you really have to trust yourself and um, believe that you have the right instincts. So at that point, it was like a leap of faith. And I just, um, you know, together as a family, we just said that, you know, everyone's pushing their own agenda in a way. And um, you really have to take a step back and say, well, you know, what's the right thing to do for him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's an incredibly brave decision, I'm sure, when you are surrounded by everyone who's got an opinion. And, yeah. and I, think, I think you've actually probably just targeted what I was, was really wanting to from you was the advice that you would give to other families that, that trust, you know, what's what's best for your family and, and take all the advice, but then find a fit. Do you, do you have other sort of advice that you would give families when they're thinking about how they're going to, you know, preschool, play, play groups, school for their child what advice have you got for, for families who are just coming into this this world so as a parent uh i think that you always feel that you want to do the right thing but you don't know enough you always feel this um that you're always playing catch up and that you've got to take the advice of everybody else to um to do the right thing by your child but i think you have to feel um prepared to, to challenge others. And if people um, aren't, you know, comfortable with you challenging them as a parent, it's not about how much you know versus what they know, but
but it's about, you know, taking all the information and then just filtering and saying, well, I will take that and I won't take that. And but also be prepared to be challenged. I think there are times when I was a little bit too, you know, um, fearful of, you know, making a choice that was going to have such a major impact. Um, and then taking those leaps of faith that, you know, I described earlier with coming into next sense, that was where I felt really, really challenged to, as a parent to say, what do I think? Do I trust myself? Am I, am I, um, and that's when you have to really wear your parent cap and say, I've, I've taken all this information. Um, I'm going to um, make a decision and I'm making the best decision that I can at this point in time and to trust your instincts. And at the end of the day, you may make a decision now, but there's no reason why that can't be adjusted or changed. So you just make the best decision that you can in that point of time and just be kind to yourself. I think that's such good advice. And I think that's that's what good family-centered early intervention is about. Here's the information, we'll support you as you make the decision, but ultimately you are the experts in your child. You're gonna be with him on his entire life journey. And so the decisions you make affect your family forever. And so I love that you have the strength to be able to, to, to make these decisions and recognise that it, it can be fluid and flexible and all of those things, um, but you'll do it as a family unit. I think Kavanch is incredibly lucky to have such a strong family around him, supporting him with all of this as well. So thank you. I, I really appreciate you sharing. Did you have anything else about your story that you wanted to share with us, a sort of final message for families? Yeah, actually, one thing that I think is really important that, you know, I, I am constantly seeking and I think that other parents, I'm sure, are in the same boat, you know, any kind of child um, needs that, uh, you know, it, it, learning and hearing in that, you know, immersing in that hearing world and really connecting and learning is not just about, you know, the school that your child attends, but the connections they make in your community. And I'm, I'm really, um, I have a real passion for, um our children connecting into their community. And it's not that always that easy because, you know, children come from all over for the schools um, where that access is available, you know, for that specialized support. So, um, you know, just early on, I would say, think about what does your child's community look like? Extracurricular activities are a real challenge for, for children, you know, with hearing loss children who, um, you know, have, it, you know, those other accommodations that are necessary. And just think about how that's another piece of education that I think that now we're working on. And, you know, just try to be prepared and look for that early on for those opportunities. Absolutely. Look, such great advice. And look, I'm so grateful for your time, Susan. Thank you so much for being so honest and, and sharing the story. I'm really grateful. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Judy. It's a pleasure. Thank you, everybody. And we will have another episode coming soon. Thanks for being with us today. And we will see you all next time. Bye.